keeps a gun in his silverware drawer. Reach in there to grab a fork. Suddenly you blow your own toe off. Crazy. Want to dig into that frosting at midnight? Whole foot. Gone. Two bitches, yeah. Two bitches, two bitches just watching TV. <laughs> Bitch. Hi, welcome to Bitch Watch. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we haven't already done this once today. No. <laughs> Because we talk so much like throughout the day and throughout the week. I shouldn't say we're running out of things to talk about at the beginning of the show. But to keep it fresh, I searched icebreakers. And mm-hmm. and I found uh, roll the dice, break the ice. Oh, okay. All right. Sounds kinky. And I have, a, and I have a dice roller <laughs> open in another tab. And I'm going to roll the dice for you. Find a number. Okay. And then I will ask you the question related to that number. And I think I'll do, like, I don't know, two for each of us, right? Okay. Sure. Sure. Okay, so I'm going to roll. Doing fun. Doing something new. I'm going to roll. You got eight. Question number eight is, my favorite sports team is... (laughs) Oh, actually, I have this. So, if you don't know anything about me, I follow no other sports other than eSports, and specifically League of Legends... My favorite team is Team Liquid. Easy. Hands down. Great team. Core JJ is my god. Um, <laughs> the only exception to that would be Broxa, who is now on CLG, and he's daddy. And that's all I have to say on that matter, because probably no one that listens to us gives a fuck about esports. I already know the answer for yours. Yeah, it's Green Bay Packers. Absolutely. fucking lootly Go Pack Go. <laughs> The day our first episode dropped, we went to the zoo and I saw a guy in a Packers beanie. And did I not compliment him on his beanie? And he you said, sure he goes, go pack. And I go, go pack. And like, it was a whole moment. So exactly. And I just stood there like, is this what happens? <laughs> I'm going to roll again. Okay. So I got seven. My favorite book slash author is. So I don't have one favorite book, but I have a favorite. Like it's a series. Can I guess? You're not going to get it, but sure. It's not Harry Potter. No, 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 no. I love Harry Potter and I love everything that it held for me as like a child into like a teenager. Until someone shit on it. Yeah. (laughs) You've told me this. It's another series, but go on. Yeah, it's the Hush Hush Saga. There it is. That's it. And it is so good. They are my favorite. They are the only books I've been able to read more than once. And every time I've read the fourth and last one in the series, I've read it in like four hours. I like burn through it. Nice. It's so good. Nice. Oh, yeah. I'll have to give those a listen. Season five. We survived season four. Loved it. Talked yeah. a lot about it. So I really actually I was talking about how I was invested in this season. I was surprised because I didn't remember a ton about this season. But I found myself really invested in like Lumen's storyline and really like empathizing with that character and liking to see how Dexter is trying to, one, adapt a single dad life and also fill the void of Rita with her. Mm -hmm. And it's so sad. And they kind of found each other when they both needed each other. It's like one of those stories. And I like that. I don't know. It's cliche, but I like it. Yeah. Um, Very sweet. Yeah, I like this season too. It's interesting to me, though. Like, obviously, season four brought in John Lithgow. This season brings in Julia Stiles. And, Love her. And then and then season six, the next season is going to bring in Colin Hanks. I feel like Colin Hanks, Julia Stiles, and John Lithgow are big names compared to when you look at mm-hmm. who else is on the show, you know? Yeah. I don't remember who was in seven other than Hannah. Because uh, mm-hmm. you won't shut the fuck up about <laughs> no. Cut to me pre- yeah. right before recording, realizing that I still had a whole nother, another season to get through before we get to Hannah. 
<laughs> Having a minor breakdown. Slumping in my chair, crying. Literally, count me in so we can record this and get to the good season or some <laughs> shit. Like, so I can get through it. <laughs> this season in episode one opens with the Rita crime scene. So they pick right up where they ended on season four. You see Dexter. I like the way they did the like camera work. Dexter's kind of like mm-hmm. walking through the house, carrying Harrison out. And it's a little... You, you get the sense that Dexter's really in shock. It's tilted. Yeah, it's tilted and the coloring's Shaking. not quite right. You know, it was a little... Muted isn't the exact word, but that's the one I'm going to use for right now. Audio was even off, wasn't it? Maybe a little bit. Maybe yeah. have been your headphones because you said they were dying, so... Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! So yeah, you hear Dexter in his inner monologue, and for once, you don't hear him say, tonight's the night to start the season. Or my dark passenger. <sighs> He's in his inner monologue saying that he kills people who deserves it and then he's upset because Rita didn't deserve it. What happens when you don't deserve to be murdered? There was a quote with that, since you bring that up, the what happens if you don't deserve it? And he mentions that she deserved white picket fences and, you know, just a happy, normal, quote unquote, life. Yeah. That was really sad because she she didn't deserve to die like that. No. I know we bitched a lot about Rita, but she did not deserve that. Yeah. Like I wanted her gone, but it didn't have to be like that. So yeah, you see Harrison covered in blood and it's mm-hmm. a direct comparison to Dexter being covered in his mother's blood. Yeah. You see Dexter come out of the house finally and he hands Harrison over to Deborah, looks at her, the FBI's all over. And he says, it was me. It was me. And that obviously starts a lot of confusion. A first rule of business, if you're leaving a murder scene, do not say it's me. Yeah, no. Just don't, you know, just... Harry's not around and you see Dexter looking around for him. But you know who you do see? You see Elliot, the next door neighbor, and you see him crying like a little bitch. Fuck you, Elliot. And Joey happens to look over and see that Elliot is crying and is upset and mentally notes it. Yeah. Right after this, throughout the episode, really, you get flashbacks of Dexter and Rita's first date, which he is at a restaurant waiting for her and he's constantly watching this man across the way. And you quickly realize after she shows up that planned this whole blind date to stalk his next kill victim and then makes excuses to like get up from the table and just not paying attention to what she's saying. And it's so shitty. So shitty. Yeah. But she's dressed halfway okay, so... (laughs) That's how I know it isn't canon, because that's not how she was dressing at the beginning of the show. Maybe she was really trying, and then the rest of the time she's like, I got him. I'm (laughs) sucking his dick, so he's not leaving. I can dress like a potato sack. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, but like you said, that flashback kind of cuts in and out throughout the whole episode. Dexter comes to the realization that he basically lied to her from the very beginning, the entirety of their entire relationship. Yeah, yeah. Which just shitty. Which I think is also guilt because he didn't kill her, but if he wasn't involved with Trinity, she wouldn't be dead. If he didn't continue to poke the bear after he told Dexter to leave him alone, she wouldn't be dead. There's just a lot of things. Although he he tried mm-hmm. really hard to get her out of the house, but... Shit happens. So you see Deborah and Joey come into Dexter's house. I think Joey's waiting on the grass and Deborah drives up. You know, she says he didn't have to be there and he says he wants to help. And he asks what they're doing there. And you see her pull out cleaning supplies and she says she wants to clean all of the blood from the floor. Joey tries to get her not to because, you know, the FBI has people that does this and she says that she has mm-hmm. to since Dexter's her brother and she doesn't want him to come home to find it. Now, after they clean all of the blood off of the floor, you see them in the kitchen cleaning up themselves. One, rinsing out rags, which you pointed out. What? No. Just throw away! 
It's not worth it. It's your sister-in-law's fucking blood. No. Throw it out. Yeah, it's fine. We can buy new ones. I don't think he wants them. No, you could buy a 10-pack of rags at Walmart for like two eighty-eight. Go to Goodwill. Cut up a towel. I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> I'm just happy that Deborah the slob queen didn't use a whole bunch of paper towels. She would have killed like eight trees in there. But oh yeah, don't true. reuse the rags. It's not worth it. I think it was also her coping with Rita's death because she felt like she couldn't express that to Dexter. And like, that's how I was when I was cleaning out my mom's apartment. I zoned out and just did everything and cleaned everything I could mm-hmm. do. And then on the drive home, getting food, I just started fucking bawling. Yeah. Which is basically what happened so she starts crying saying that she has to be the strong one she's not used to being the strong one and joey's like really i think you're the strong one between you and dexter and he hugs her and then she like it's the most awkward kiss i've ever seen ever but she kisses him and then they hook up in the kitchen (laughs) on really hard tile floor to which later on i even said why didn't they fuck on the table and it's because the table's glass and i said that it would have left deborah's ass prints on the fucking glass table Dexter gets a call from the kids and he or well he gets a call from the kids grandparents while they're at Disney World because they left to go to Disney World he doesn't tell them what's going on they asked to speak to Rita and he said oh she can't right now you know make I think he said she was in the shower or something yeah and Deborah is in the room with him after he hangs up she said you're not going to tell them and he says i just need them to have one more good day and then they eventually come home and they've brought monogrammed mickey hats which are you know tradition one that says dexter on it which is cute and they put it on him i think aster puts it on him yeah they ask where's mom and he has to break the news that she is dead and i think because he hasn't come to terms with it yet he is not good at breaking this news to children Mm -mm. he's not good at breaking news at all like even good news remember in season four when they're telling the children that rita's pregnant she's like we have something to tell you and he's like i knocked her up that's not what he said but might as well (laughs) yeah and imagine that you're getting this news from a man in a monogram mickey hat that your mom got fucking chopped up in a tub. <laughs> yeah. I don't, it, it's scarring, to say the least. And Aster just fucking storms out and she tells him that that was his job to keep her safe, locks herself in the, her grandparents' car outside. And it's really fucking sad and frustrating because, of course, it wasn't Dexter's fault directly, but she blames him for mm-hmm. it. So throughout the whole episode, you see that Joey is suspicious of Dexter. You know, he doesn't think Dexter's reacting to the murder, quote, properly. and Which is bullshit. Yeah, I mean... And you see them at one point listening to the 911 call that Dexter put in at the station. Oh, yeah. And Masuka's kind of nervous. And he mentions to Joey that he wishes he never told Dexter that he saw Elliot kiss Rita. Just on that 911 call, I forgot how well they did that. Mm-hmm. Just the way he did it, it was, as I think Joey said, like he was describing a crime scene. Yeah. It was wild. But I mean, yeah, I could see that, that he went to his default state. But even Masuka is kind of side-eyeing it at this point. Maria says, you know, this is his job. This is what he does. This is what he's used to doing. So of course he said it this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see it. So Masuka has told Joey, I saw Elliot kiss Rita and I told Dexter about it. And this just kind of feeds into Joey's, I don't want to say paranoia, but just he's very suspicious of Dexter. So he at some point goes and questions Elliot, not officially, but he's, you know, talking to him and 
says, you know, I saw you crying the night that Rita was murdered. And, you know, I, I know you guys had a little thing. And Elliot's like, we only kissed once. That was it. And Dexter punched me out. But Dexter was never home. Mm-hmm. And that feeds more into Joey's like, the son of a bitch. I know it was him. There's something up with this motherfucker. Yeah. Maria really wanted him to drop it. Yeah, because, I mean, she knows Dexter's a good guy and wouldn't fucking murder his own wife. <laughs> He murders other people, not his wife. Well, I was making the su- like sus face because you said good guy, but he's a good guy. I mean, morally, well, yeah. Basically, Dexter's just kind of going through a whole crisis in this episode, which I mean, aptly so. His wife is dying. He's gone to the funeral home with Deborah and couldn't really process what was going on, and so Deborah had to take the lead on everything to the point where he like wandered into someone else's fucking funeral that was going to see on. See how in the that building. spouse reacted, yeah. Yeah, and just completely zoning out. Deborah's constantly like looking over at him to check on the guy because he's being odd. Basically, because of all this, Dexter has resolved that he needs to make himself disappear for the betterment of everyone around him it's a precursor to season eight like Uh. the ending of season eight i feel where he decides to make himself disappear so he's missed the fbi interview to go and talk to rita dead rita at the funeral home picked out did you want to talk about what he decided to bury her in before i talk about them yeah so at some when deborah and Dexter go to the funeral home to start making funeral arrangements. One of the things that they have to do is pick out an outfit for Rita to be buried in. And Deborah goes over and she picks out a few options and presents them to Dexter. Mm-hmm. And and you see finally that Dexter has chosen this, I think it was a white dress with like lavender flowers on it. And then it had a lavender like sweater combo. And it's the outfit that they mm-hmm. wore on their first date. And yeah. like you said earlier, that's not how she dressed. I call absolute bullshit. <laughs> When he's sitting there talking to her, he confesses that he is a serial killer. And again, it's that thing of he can only be honest with the dead. It's people on his table or, in this case, his dead wife laying in her casket, Mm -hmm. which is real fucked up. After this, he goes and sets his storage crate on fire after he collects what he needs out of there. Did he grab his blood slides? I didn't catch it if he did. Kill suit, kill tools, and his blood slides. And says the rest can go. It was actually a clever joke, and it was like, what does a man need to move town or start over? He needs mm-hmm. his tools, a good suit, and a memory of the past. The tools of his trade. That's tools of his trade. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Lights that bitch on fire, which, how do you... Uh, <laughs> imagine just going into work, some poor dude, and this thing's on fucking major fire. <laughs> He's just like, I don't get paid enough. I'm going to the office. Nope. <laughs> you uh, pull back out of the parking lot, and you call your boss. You're like... <laughs> I'm sick today. (laughs) I feel like this isn't your first time. Yeah. (laughs) Flashback to the first date again while all this is going down. And he had dipped out of the first date because he, quote, had a stomach bug. But in reality, he got his target in his car and had to dip so he could go kill him. And Rita calls to check on him later. And He's on the boat dropping the body into the ocean. Do you want to say what you thought? You were like, oh, I know what she's thinking the whole time. <laughs> so they're on the phone while he's on the boat. She calls to check on him, like you said. And he's just like dropping trash bags full of body parts. <laughs> and you hear them pretty loudly. They're like, sploosh, sploosh. And I'm like, does she think he's just got like major diarrhea? Because there's no way she didn't hear the splooshes on the phone. And his excuse to get out of that date was stomach bug. So I'm like, yeah, 
She didn't even ask, like, what's that noise or what's going on? She was just like, la, 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 Dexter. And I'm like, be suspicious of the loud splooshing, please. (laughs) Yeah. And she tells him that she has kids. And he's like, oh, I like kids. And he already knew. Yeah. Dexter is making plans to skip town. He, you see him out on his boat. Uh, he's already asked Deborah if she will consider his children as her own. She says they are, not realizing he's leaving town. Yeah, she just thinks he's asking to like cover his bases because he's yeah. still in shock with his wife dying and everything. I forgot to mention really quick. Sorry, before I have to interrupt you. Deborah has been trying to track his ass down since he missed the fucking FBI interview, and she is losing her shit because she's also planning the funeral. <laughs> So, anyways. Juggling too many things at once. So, yeah, you see him on his boat skipping town. And you see him fuel up at this place called Jimbo's, which my note is bait shop on the water. You know, it's one of those that you pull up with on a boat. And, well, he comes in and some redneck is running his mouth looking for the bathroom key. Dexter just doesn't like him. He rubs Dexter the wrong way. Dexter ends up following him into the restroom and says he's had a bad day. His wife's dead. And the guy says, you know, your dead wife can suck my dick, blah, blah, blah. And Dexter just snaps and kills him after he's dead. Harry finally reappears and says, this is the first human thing I've seen you do since Rita's died. What did he do with that body? <laughs> I want to know what happened. Did he just leave it in the bathroom? I don't remember it being brought up. Yeah. Okay. Just wondering. At the beginning of the episode, when the homicide team gets to Dexter's house, they do see Rita and Maria tells the team that they will not be the ones investigating the murder because it's the FBI's case, because this looks like a Trinity murder. Mm-hmm. Technically it is, but it isn't. It isn't a whole Trinity series, Mm -hmm. but was Arthur Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Maria shuts it down. She's very stern. And Angel gets his, like, I don't want to say his bacho, like, hurt a little bit. But, like, he doesn't like that his wife and a woman is bossing him around Mm -hmm. the way she is. He doesn't react to it very well. Mm -hmm. Throughout the whole episode, he's like, we should be doing this. She says, we're not. Angel, I told you we're not. And they're standing graveside waiting for Dexter. Dexter's late to his own wife's funeral. Mind you, he wasn't even going to go, but he does end up showing up late. But yeah. Marie and Angel finally hash it out next to the gravesite. She finally tells him she didn't want to be the one investigating Rita's murder because it was their wedding day. She wanted to be able to remember it as their wedding day. Mm-hmm. And she also feels a little guilty because with the timeline of it all, she worries that Dexter was there with them mm-hmm. because he was called into the office to sign their marriage certificate. Mm-hmm. So she's worried that he was with them while Rita was at home getting murdered. Yeah. I think in the previous episode, we mentioned like, God, like when did Trinity have time to do this? Mm -hmm. They do say that she had been dead from between like eight and 12 hours. In that time span was when Dexter was signing the marriage certificate. So just so we're clear, we kind of got a little bit of an answer to that. Mm -hmm. Dexter finally shows up to the funeral. He ends up giving the eulogy and he realizes in this speech that he really did actually love her. Yeah, it was a good speech. It was good. So moving on to episode two, Hello Bandit, which is kind of funny. So the episode opens with the sleeping arrangements that's going down at Deborah's apartment because I don't think we mentioned this. Dexter's living there. Harrison's living there. Cody and Aster are living there with Deborah in Dexter's old apartment slash Deborah's current apartment. I love the note you made. Okay, maybe it's actually Dexter swimming first, but YOLO. <laughs> it was visually important. Yes. But we didn't have to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, no, but 
Michael C. Hall, <laughs> uh, this was the season where he was sick, too, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he, one, did this, and two, looked that good while doing this. The man is a fucking tank. I don't... I feel like so far we've seen that this is a hugely physical season, uh-huh. and the fact that he was able to power through it, hats off to that guy. Yeah, fucking crazy, man. Anyways, it's really fucking tense in the apartment. Deborah can't fucking sleep because Aster's being a cunt as normal, like her mom, <laughs> and she's kicking Deborah all night, not letting her sleep. Yeah, it's just getting kind of tense. The FBI hold a second interview with Dexter. Mm-hmm. Second, because Dexter skipped the first yeah. one. Everyone's a little like, why does the FBI want to interview you? Surely you didn't kill your wife. So he goes into this interview. They tell him, we know you didn't kill your wife. Mm-hmm. We know that the time that she died, or roughly the time that she died, you were at Arthur Mitchell's house at the raid. Mm-hmm. We are interviewing you because we want to know why she was targeted by the Trinity killer. Yeah. I loved his answer. I don't know, because he's a serial killer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, so fucking killer? not even registering. Love it. Dexter ends up renting a moving van, the notion of moving his family to a different apartment or house. And while he is getting it, he spots blood in the back of the truck. This continues to, like, persists and bothers him. Uh, throughout the episode until he finally breaks down and starts investigating it. So he figures out the last person to rent the truck was Boyd Fowler. He works for the Department of Sanitation, the like dead animal division. So, you know, this guy's like a little. (laughs) (laughs) This is not shaming anyone, but come on, man. (laughs) Anyways, it's like I had a I had an ex-boyfriend that worked for the city. That we both used to live in. And he worked in water and sewer. And there was one day where we went to Andy's and they were rolling out fresh chocolate custard. And he goes, wow, that reminds me of work today. And I looked at him and I was like, what are you talking about? And then I looked at it and you just see brown sludge coming down a tube. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, my God. Anyways. So since he works in the dead animal division, he assumes, oh, it's probably animal blood. He used it to pick up some animals, but wouldn't he have some truck for that? So... He ends up testing the blood, comes back as human. He said, oh, okay, something's fucking off. So he ends up killing a raccoon, I think, from what the conversation was. Yeah, <laughs> little sus. Yeah, and he's waiting by his truck for him to show up. And he ends up meeting him. Frank, please insert the quote of this man's fucking inability to button his shirt. That shirt's got buttons. He chose not to button all those buttons. Yeah, yeah, no, he chose that life. He didn't button them because he's like, "Mm -mm." boss man said if I get any more PP on my work shirts, I'm going to be in trouble. (laughs) I got to have it open so I can flip it up so I can PP. (laughs) No more PP on my shirts. Thanks. (laughs) But they have a conversation about how it's weird because Boyd is basically working a crime scene like how Dexter would saying like oh this little guy's got defensive wounds this is weird he wasn't killed here he was dropped here and dexter's like there's no blood and tire marks like yeah this is not right yeah and dexter's like what the fuck just take the raccoon and leave like even he's like what? i knew you were weird but what the hell <laughs> and i wanted to make a quick note yeah Dexter is on leave from work. Maria oh, yeah. has insisted he take plenty of time off of work to deal with his wife's death. Yeah. Because at one point, some point of the episode, Dexter is doing more investigation into this Boyd guy. And you're like, how is he getting out of work for all this? And I go, he's not working. His wife died 10 minutes ago. Like, it's oh, fine. Yeah. Like, like, what was it? A day or two ago, basically? Or three days yeah. ago at this point? Yeah. Dexter's like, yeah, no, this dude's fucking weird. He's on the list. Yeah. Cutting to like work life, you see Deborah and Vince at a crime scene. 
and there is a severed head. It is, um, it's got eyes and tongue cut out and it's surrounded by gold coins and candles and a couple other things, I think. In a park, right? In a park, maybe. Or in a, for sure in a neighborhood. I'm not sure if it was in a park or near a park. And Deborah meets a local cop named Sarah Manzon. Sarah tells Deborah that this looks like Santa Morte because of what was left behind. And the eyes and the tongue have been cut out as a message. You Mm -hmm. didn't see anything and you didn't say nothing. As if the cut-off head was not enough. (laughs) Right. (laughs) She said it looks to her like a machete did all the cuts because, you know, Deborah kind of gives her heart. Like, how do you know this? Blah, blah, blah. And Sarah says, this is my neighborhood. I grew up here. I know what happens here. Mm. Later, they have another crime. The victim's husband has also died. And I think Deborah points out, like, there's some brain matter on the ceiling that Vince has to find. So the guy um, appears to have died by shotgun to head, and he was holding a picture of him and his wife. So sad. Yeah. Big sad. While this stuff is going on, Deborah's, of course, high stress because she's got this crazy machete beheading case going on. And shit's loud and crazy at the apartment. So she's like, fuck it. I'm gonna go sleep at Joey's because Joey said, you know, if shit's too crazy, then you can come chill at my house so she does that and it was so funny whenever she goes and he opens the door he goes to kiss her and she's like hey fuck puddle what the fuck are you doing keep your sausage fingers off of me, me. your fat little sausage fingers yeah <laughs> it was so good the hey fuck puddle loved that cut to back to dexter uh he started vetting boyd and he found out that boyd inherited his house from his parents so there is that. And trust me, with the way this place is decorated, we fucking know. You didn't have to tell us. He's decided that he's going to go in and check out the situation. But surprise, surprise, Boyd actually comes home unexpectedly for a lunch break while Dexter is still there. He turns on a self-help CD by Jordan Chase. And basically his motto and his thing is just take it, whatever you want, take it, which sounds a little rapey to me, but the fuck do I know? Dexter ends up actually finding locks of hair in a scrapbook that are numbered and they're all blonde. Mm -hmm. It's like up to 11, I believe. Fucking weird shit. The dude also only apparently eats fucking chicken noodle and tomato soup ever, which is fucking weird as hell too. But yeah. And then Dexter dips the fuck out. Dexter ends up following Boyd out to like the middle of nowhere, out to BFE, as my note says, watches him dump a barrel on a pond. And before he can go out and investigate what's in this barrel, he kind of assumes, okay, well, this guy collects dead animals. And at his house, he found barrels full of dead animals and was like, this is weird, but bring your work home, I guess. Yeah. This guy needs to get on with what's his name from season one. Neil Perry. (laughs) I bet he and Neil Perry were buds, but. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where he goes taxidermy. You got it from this guy. We're putting the dots together, bitch! Before he can investigate what's in the barrel and basically just tell himself, all right, it's just full of dead animals, like whatever, you know, whatever. He gets a phone call from Deborah. Yeah. Saying that the kids aren't at school. Did you bring them to school? And he's like, yeah, like I brought them to meet their grief counselor and they were supposed to go to classes after. And Deborah says, you know, they're not here. And some teacher said that they never showed up. Dexter leaves, rushes to the house because he realizes that they're going to be there because Aster the whole time has been wanting to go to the house and Dexter's been blocking this request. Cody and Aster are standing in the 
bathroom staring at the tub. You know, Dexter says, I can't make this any better, uh, but I'm trying. And Aster is still very angry and she decides she doesn't want to live with Dexter. She wants to live with her grandparents and she wants for her and Cody to leave that night with them. Yeah, which is really sad because she said something along the lines of, not that necessarily, I guess, she blames him for Rita's death as much as he made things better and he made her think that life would be good. Yeah, that they were just going to have like a normal fucking life with a dad and a mom and a nice house and a nice neighborhood. And now all that's gone to shit. Uh, like if he yeah. hadn't shown up, they wouldn't have those high hopes or some shit. I don't know. Teenage 12-year-old bullshit. The Mitchell family end up actually meeting with a sketch artist and they give three different versions of quote-unquote Kyle Butler to the sketch artist. So they all look slightly different. Maria ends up handing them to Joey like, oh, fuck, like, yep, this... This was a waste of time, yeah. Yeah, and even though we couldn't get the fucking child, a sketch artist with the name Arthur and put fucking two and two together for fucking four episodes. Anyways, but basically Joey kind of folds them up until it looks like Dexter. Like folds all three of them together until it looks like Dexter. Yeah, the hairline of one, the <laughs> nose of two, and like the chin of like number three. Yeah, which is, okay, you're you're stretching. You're, you're reaching really a little bit. stretching. I mean, to be fair, Kyle Butler is Dexter, so he's right. But he's really stretching. But that's not the point. <laughs> yeah. You see Cody and Esther leaving with the grandparents. Cody's mm-hmm. really sad. Cody doesn't want to leave Dexter. Yeah. But Dexter really doesn't want to split the two up. So if Aster wants to leave, he's going to send Cody off with her. And let's be honest, it's a lot easier to murder people when you don't have a small boy trying to follow you around. Yeah. Although... I will say in the books, he trains Aster and Cody to be miniature assassins. So like- What the fuck? So in the books, he trains the two of them underneath him. So what Harry taught him, he teaches to the children. He teaches them to be serial killers. Bro, I gotta go read the Sparks notes on this shit. Did that guy do cocaine when he was writing this? (laughs) Maybe. LSD? What the fuck? Yeah. So yeah, after the kids leave, Dexter returns to that pond out in BFE and he opens a barrel- Because he just couldn't shake. Okay, those couldn't have been animals in there. I have to check it. He just couldn't Mm -hmm. shake it. Boyd's creepy as fuck. So (laughs) he sees a dead woman in it surrounded in, like, I think it was formaldehyde. Yeah. Yeah. And he sees several more barrels around the pond. I'm going to read this note really quick that Ritzy wrote out. This is verbatim. I guess Mitch and Angel learns about Maria's baller savings account. Ask Joey and Deborah about it and then gets into a bar fight with Sergeant Lopez. That's all that mattered. Yeah, really. <laughs> Angel one sentence. Fucking just pestering everyone about Maria's fucking money, which I would like to just say, like, it's your fucking money. Keep your fucking money. Also, if you're married, she said she was saving it for retirement. They could have a lovely house and just like live on the fucking beach for the rest of their lives. But whatever. He gets into a bar fight with Sergeant Lopez. You see him ask Angel if he really did get married to La Guerta. Uh-huh. Says, you know, now you got a sugar mama and this, this, and this. And mind you, Angel's already really sensitive about the fact that she's got so much money. So then Sergeant Lopez runs his mouth off in really fast Spanish and Sly nor myself really know Spanish. Mm. So like, we didn't know what he said. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it gets revealed towards the end of the next episode. And I like how I, I noted it because I amuse myself. Yes. Yeah, so episode three, practically perfect. The episode opens with Deborah cold interrogating slash interviewing. Did you do this? Yeah. Did you ever smoke drugs? What do you mean you think you smoke drugs? <laughs> 
what do you mean you think you tried this and this is this and you realize they're interviewing candidates for a nanny for Harrison? Yeah, I think he was gay. I'm going to assume he was gay, but I love the gay guy that interviewed and he's like, well, I don't own a gun and I don't have like a black belt in martial arts, but I can scream really loud. And I was like, I like him. (laughs) Basically how my interview went. I was a nanny for context. Dexter really likes this woman named Sonya. Who was basically Miss Motherfucking Doubtfire. You pointed out was the queen from Tudors. Yeah, she's um, the Spanish queen. Catherine, yeah. Catherine. Well, there's several Catherines, but she's the first first wife, Queen Catherine. I swear, back then they only had four names. (laughs) Henry was like, wait, your name's Catherine? Done. Your name's Anne? Sweet. Because he had two Catherines and I think Anne, two Annes. Catherine, Catherine, Anne, Jane, Anne, Catherine. (laughs) Henry liked his Catherines. The Catherines just hit different. (laughs) (laughs) I like how he like tried to like venture out for a Jane. He's like, ooh, that's spicy. That's spicy. I like me a Jane. But not for that long. Oh, I read those backwards. It's Catherine, Anne, Jane, Anne, Catherine, Catherine. (laughs) He had hit two Catherines in a row. (laughs) you think he had a punch card and it was like after your third Catherine you get the divorce for free no they just stopped changing the paperwork dude it was just Catherine you think he had a piece of paper and it said Catherine of Aragon and he just drew a line through of Aragon and then wrote Howard on top of it and then crossed out Howard and wrote Parr on top of it there's just layers of white out. Scribbled all the way through it. Anne. It's definitely Anne now. <laughs> My little spicy Jane. I'm crying. Jane was too spicy. I had to go back to something I know. I gotta go to an Anne. That's his roots. Anne ain't doing it. I gotta go back to a Catherine. Like I said, their heads hit different when they hit that basket, dog. <laughs> so he likes Sonya. <laughs> uh, then you see... Deborah, Joey, and Batista canvassing a neighborhood, the same neighborhood as the Santa Muerte murder. Uh-huh. Deborah hoped bringing Angel along would help people talk since he's Latino, but it actually yields the same result because he's Cuban and the neighborhood is Venezuelan, so they're kind of shit out of luck. So eh. Doesn't uh, Angel mention to bring uh, Sierra back in? Deborah was going to have to work with her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love her, so I'm fine with that. Dexter is still stalking Boyd and he is sitting outside of a cafe when Boyd notices him and recognizes him from the other day. So uh, Boyd helps himself to bring his shit over to his table and sit down. And Dexter introduces himself as Daryl Tucker, which mark that down. Erica's got a list going. Tells Boyd that he's looking for work because he's looking at the paper or some shit. And Boyd Mm -hmm. says, oh, well, you know, we might have an opening at my job. And Dexter's like, oh, yeah. And Boyd offers to let him ride along for a day and see if he likes doing animal pickup. So... Dexter says, great. You know, they arrange a time for the next morning, like 8 o'clock or 7.30 the next morning. They go their separate ways and Dexter finds this. It looked like an abandoned rest stop, right? Is that what that was? It was a visitor center. Building on the side of the road that you could pull over into. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's abandoned. It's not being used anymore. So he Mm -hmm. preps it as a kill room and notes its location. And that comes into play later. Deborah takes Angel's advice and starts working with Officer uh, Manzon, or Sierra, I think. Yeah. And they talk to this man, who we find out his name is Fauzi, who sells, and I don't mean to be offensive, but I didn't, I couldn't really figure out what he was selling. So yeah. I wrote 
that he uh, sells Catholic rites and like not voodoo, but whatever the Catholic equivalent of it is. I didn't know that was a thing, but sure. It isn't voodoo, but I mean, it's all the Santa Muerte stuff. You know what I mean? It's like for the saints. He sells rosaries up front and he sells like shady shit in the back. Yeah. He doesn't say very much. Deborah and uh, Manzon can tell that he's not saying a lot because of Deborah's presence. Mm -hmm. So they leave and they decide that they're going to try again the next day with just Manzon going in there. It does work. He says, you know, two brothers came in and bought some stuff and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And even he says that he doesn't believe in the shit. (laughs) Yeah. Which is kind of funny. Before Dexter's big ride along, he calls in a fake gator call out by that abandoned rest stop so he can get Boyd to drive out there. That way he can grab him. So Dexter rides along with Boyd and they're listening to that same self-help CD in the truck. The take it, Jordan Chase, just take it now. Whatever you want, just take it. And the guy's like, dude, this is like some crazy shit. Like you should totally- Change my life. Yeah, yeah. change my life. You should give it a listen. And Texter's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, it's just really weird. Very forceful and I don't like it. Joey's still unconvinced that the sketches aren't Dexter. I think at one point Masuka walks over and like giggles to himself and says that the sketch looks like Justin Bieber. Yeah, he does. He calls it Justin Bieber. Joey is just, I think, kind of stunned that no one sees the likeness to Dexter. Yeah. So it cuts back to Deborah and Manzon. They're going to go talk to Fauzi again since he did reveal about the brothers. Except this time when they walk into his shop, they find his body and his severed head. And the head is cut the same way as the woman's was. Mm -hmm. His eyes and tongue have been removed and his body is just bleeding all over the floor. Yeah, it was pretty grody. I'm not gonna lie. This season, the fucking special effects dudes this season said, you know what? We're going to do it up. We're going to earn oh boy. our salary. We're going to talk about that later. <laughs> uh, we're going to earn our salary. So Dexter's riding along with Boyd and he is just like about to pull his hair out because the call hasn't come through yet. He thinks it's been assigned to someone yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. And he finally comes through and he's like, yes, perfect. So they go out there and <laughs> Dexter is following him and he's got a little trank gun, right? Like he's walk. Boyd has got a little trank gun and he's walking and he's like, you don't want to step on the thing. It might not actually be dead or some shit. Mm-hmm. Dexter just jumped him. M99s him in the neck, but Boyd turns around and shoots him in the stomach with the trank gun. So they both drop just out. An ambulance ends up getting called and Dexter and Boyd wake up in the ambulance. The EMT is trying to figure out what the fuck happened. So he's like, so what's the story here? Because uh, this is weird. Dexter leans over to Boyd and he says, you're supposed to shoot the damn gator, not me. And then he's like, okay, what's your excuse to Boyd? And Boyd says, well, I guess I got so freaked out I passed out. And so they're in the hospital and Dexter's in a bed. He's in a bed. They're separated by the curtains and shit. We don't see Dexter. We're following Boyd. And Boyd gets up out of the bed after the doctors and nurses leave, grabs some shit out of the fucking, like, medical trolley, like a medical scissors, it looked like, Mm -hmm. to try to kill Dexter. Yeah, he's been serving, like, fuck you eyes the whole, like, ambulance ride into the hospital. (laughs) Like, I'm gonna fuck you up eyes. Yeah, Dexter's already gone. But also, I feel like they would keep a better watch on that shit, but what the fuck ever they're they're both hooked up to monitors i feel like as soon yeah. as they weren't hooked up anymore they'd be like screaming because it sounds like the person's dead yeah you know what i, mean? I like, mean 
in my hospital stays, when I don't have to get up to go pee and like dishook from it, it's like someone mm-hmm. has to manually come in and turn it off. So I don't know what that's about, but they both get out unnoticed. Deborah and Menzon decide to share guilt over Falzi together. Yeah. Because they try to both play the pity party. Yeah. Of this was my fault because I'm white and poking around in this neighborhood. And Manzon's like, no, it's my fault because this was my neighborhood and this isn't this. And I made a note here that looks like a joke. It says, yay for female friendship. Uh-huh. And actually, this isn't a joke. I like that they're being friends. I like that you're seeing two females being friends because it isn't really portrayed in TV or movies very often that girls can be friends without bitching about men. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. These are two women who are in a, you know, male-dominated workforce. It's stressful. They're dealing with grody, grody shit. And they're just like, I don't want to say they're so strong of like, oh, we're going to be here for each other. But it's just the, Mm -hmm. don't beat yourself up over this. You know, like neither of us could have done anything. We can share the blame and also, you know, yeah. I like them together. So Joey talks to Ray with the FBI and he really wants to show the Mitchells a picture of Dexter uh, before they leave for witness protection because he's convinced that if he can show them a picture of Dexter, they'll definitely be like, oh yeah, that's Kyle Butler. So. Sure. Before you close out the episode. So Jim McCourt with Eternal Affairs approaches Maria about this bar fight that Angel got in. He says that he's going to be opening an investigation on Angel because Sergeant Lopez collapsed at work. He's in the hospital with internal bleeding. I think some broken bones and stuff. And he's going to be pressing charges against Angel. And Maria's upset about this. And later at some point as she and Angel are leaving for the night, she kind of corners Angel over to the side and says, I want to know about this bar fight. Why was it so extreme? You know, why did you get into this? bar fight. I think at some point Masuka has slipped, you know, that he was defending her honor. Yeah. She should polish his lance and all sorts of stuff. And so she's just really agitated. And he finally admits to Maria that Lopez was running his mouth about being a sugar mama and that she gives the best blowies in Miami. (laughs) Although naturally the show said blowjobs, but yeah, my note is she gives the best blowies in Miami. She basically did everything but flip her hair like, yeah, I do. What's your point? People are saying that about me. Angel didn't like that people are talking that way about his wife. And that's why he started throwing punches, which yeah. good on you, Angel. I don't support violence, but good on you, Angel. Yeah, he was being a sexist asshole. So fuck that guy. So Boyd ends up coming back home after this whole situation at the hospital gets a gun and starts walking around the house but dexter is already there waiting and he starts playing that jordan chase cd which throws him for a fucking loop and while he's like poking around dexter m99s him in the neck meanwhile dexter calls sonia the nanny to check on harrison and he finds out that he took his first steps i think he told her that he was going to be working late and that he would need her to stay until he got home or something like that boyd wakes up in his kitchen and he's duct taped to the table and he ends up telling Dexter that he killed the girls because they were quote unquote suffering, whatever the fuck that means. But yeah, and it was pretty interesting that when he goes to kill Boyd, he says, I want my wife back, but this will do as he stabs him. And he had to like put up newspapers everywhere instead of his plastic because all Mm -hmm. his plastic was at the visitor center. As he is killing him, He looks over through the door. It's like an inside door, like to the basement or some shit. I don't fucking know. He sees a set of eyes and he panics. I think swings open the door and there is just this dirty, what's a good word to describe her? Bloody cut up and dirty, the way I did in my notes. Oh, good point. Bloody cut up and dirty woman that saw (laughs) 
him kill him and everything. She's trying to like climb up the stairs to get away from him. She can't talk and he's going like, no, stop, wait, come back and like grabbing her and like kind of flinging her <laughs> around. And Frank, can you insert the quote? No, stop, don't. Me when I'm trying to get my dog not to barf on the carpet. <laughs> Thanks. She just passes out and collapses in his arms and he just thinks, who are you? We'll be right back after a quick break. So moving on to episode four, Beauty and the Beast. Episode opens on Dexter cleaning this woman's wounds and nursing her to health. So um, sweet. Yeah. She wakes up at some point, tries to run off. Dexter wrestles her back <laughs> to the ground and M99s her. <laughs> Starts trying to figure out who this woman is. And Mm -hmm. later in the episode says, like, who is the Sleeping Beauty? And, of course, referring to himself as the Beast. I just thought it was kind of funny. Although he mixed two fairy tales, but whatever. Fuck it. Right after Dexter M99s her and gets her to, you know, pass back out. Yeah. He gets a phone call from Deborah, begging him to come join her at the Fousey crime scene to help with blood spatter, saying that Masuka just can't keep up. Yeah. He says, you know, fine, I'll meet you over there. But at this point, he says something about, oh, it's the middle of the night. Deborah's like, no, it's the morning. And Dexter goes, shit, I've been here all night and you've been there all night. Sonya has been with Harrison all night. She's going to be pissed. Yeah. And she is. <laughs> yeah. And before he leaves this woman, he gets a water bottle and gets her fingerprints onto the bottle so he can ID her later. Yeah. So he shows up at this crime scene, walks through it. Did you notice that Officer Manzon is like wide-eyed watching him walk through this crime scene? Like, what is this? Wrecked that crime scene. I mean, he put Masuka to shame. Yeah, he was like, he walked in, did this, did this, did this, the body landed here, and the head was over here, and bop, 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 like, walked through it like he was waltzing and, like, setting mm-hmm. up the choreography for it. Yeah. This is his job. He's very knowledgeable. And he knows he knows his shit. But yeah. within, like, five minutes, mind you, the whole team's been there overnight. Within five minutes, Dexter spots cigar ash in the blood mm-hmm. and says, uh, even, like, names the type of, like, cigar that the below or some shit yeah something that the ash would have come from says i bet you there's a cigar butt out in the alleyway and blah 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 and then he leaves and masuka's like what the fuck (laughs) yeah yeah so he leaves rushes back to the apartment and sonya quits because she pulled the all-nighter she says she can't trust dexter yeah you don't trust the people that lie to you and you don't lie to the people that trust you yeah and that she loves Harrison, but she just can't. The FBI ends up denying Joey's request to meet with their initials, as they probably fucking should. He ends up actually following Ray, his contact at the FBI, to the Mitchell's safe house. So the water bottle, Dexter took it with him to the f- crime scene, and he kind of sneaks it in with all the fousy evidence. Uh-huh. Uh, so it ends up back at the station. He takes Harrison with him and distracts everybody by letting them <laughs> pass around the baby Yeah, and sneaks into his lab and he steals the water bottle out of the evidence and ids the prince and he gets her name as lumen ann pierce which he gets that from her dmv record right yeah do you have to give fingerprints when you're at the dmv i noticed they use that a lot this season because i have never given fucking fingerprints at the dmv i haven't either but i don't know if it's a florida thing i don't know if it's a convenient tv fact or what but i definitely did not give fingerprints in louisiana or missouri yeah so me either so that's why i was like he's using that a lot like i wonder if they drive hold on do you have to give fingerprints driver license which states require fingerprints for driver's license 
buckle your seatbelt, buckle your asshole in. Okay. Currently, there are four states wow. that require fingerprint or thumbprint as part of the driver's license process. Two of them, the ones we spoke about? No! <laughs> California, Colorado, Georgia, and Texas. What the f- Okay, listen. Y'all couldn't fucking pick a two of the fucking four? You had four options and you fucked this up? But the show is being written in California, so maybe they were just dumb and thought it applied everywhere. Bitch. What the fuck? No. So he IDs the fingerprints and the the sleeping beauty as Lumen and Pierce. Before Dexter leaves the station, he steals the key to Masuka's drug cabinet mm-hmm. and takes some aspirin and antibiotics. Harry tries to stop him, says, you know, if anybody, Masuka is going to notice these are missing, blah, blah, blah. As he leaves the station, Deborah says she's going to go home for a nap and he passes Harrison over to her. Says, mm-hmm. well, if you're going home, just take him, he'll, he'll go right to sleep, blah, blah, blah. He returns to the rest stop as Lumen is waking up. He offers her the aspirin and the antibiotics because she's running a fever mm-hmm. and surely she has a headache from the M99. He asks her name. She lies and says her name is Rachel. Yep. Dexter doesn't push it because now she's even just talking. So, mm. so yeah. She lies about her name. She refuses the medicine and she tries to run. Dexter ends up blocking her in the building again and leaves. Yeah, I understand this. And I mean, that's not entirely stupid on her behalf after what she's No, not at all. And he even takes one of the antibiotics, I think, to say like, oh, no, Mm -hmm. like this isn't anything bad because he shakes them and then takes one, which Mm -hmm. good thinking because I think he swallowed it dry. Did he? Oof. Yeah, right. But they were like, they looked like uh, Mentos gum or something. They were like round and tiny, which no antibiotic is that small. Dexter ends up tracking down Lumen because she's got an outstanding bill at a motel and he actually goes over there. He takes Harris in his cover and the fucking lady at the front desk is smoking like a chimney in this child's face, which I had to move the kid, but that's another fucking story. And then he ends up explaining to her that, oh, my wife, Lumen Pierce was here. We had a misunderstanding. Now we're saying like upstate, she left her shit here. I came to pick it up. And she's like, she has an outstanding balance. He's like, how much? Pays it. She goes and gets her bags. He takes the bags to his car, loads them in, and he sees a letter from her mom and he ends up reading it. And it's like, you know, begging her to come back home, that everything's okay. Her father has said shit he didn't mean. And it's just, you know, a loving family. I think the actress who played the, like the front desk clerk, I think she had a lot of fun with the baby playing Harrison because he kept looking over and like giggling at her uh-huh. when the camera wasn't right on her. And I just, I really enjoyed watching the actors interact with the baby because you can't predict what a baby's going to do. Yeah. Especially like watching how Dexter, Michael C. Hall interacts with him. Because of course he has to do extra things to make sure baby stays happy and it's just really cute to watch them. So yeah, yeah. Dexter ends up going back to Sonia's apartment and he begs her for another chance to continue nannying Harrison. Mm-hmm. And she ends up agreeing to one more chance and calls at a leap of faith. Yeah, and he explains that like a girl was near death and he was trying to help her and then he got called to a crime scene and he was really sorry. Masuka actually notices those fucking drugs are missing and who does he call out? Not Dexter. No, 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 friend. Joey. He calls out fucking Joey and he's like, dude, listen, I appreciate with you and Deborah fucking that you're trying to get rid of whatever syphilis you got going on down there. He's like, how the fuck? One, we're not sleeping together. Two, (laughs) why the fuck do you think it's me? Dexter's back here all the time and- Dexter was by himself back here earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think Masuka is like, Dexter wouldn't take my shit. Like, the fuck are you on? Yeah. He's like, whatever, just ask. 
ask next time. Per Maria's request, Angel goes and visits Sergeant Lopez in the hospital and he apologizes to him and Lopez agrees to drop the charges. However, Jim with IA still wants to pursue the investigation. Because he's a fuck? Yeah. And Maria starts meeting with him to see how to get this dropped. Deborah receives identification of, I didn't even make a note of either of their first names, but one of the Fuentes brothers from the cigar finds their apartment or where they're holed up at. And this leads to a police raid. Deborah finds one of the brothers and he holds a hostage and like starts to slice his throat. Doesn't get all the way through, but at least opens the surface and escapes as Deborah holds this hostage from bleeding out. Yeah, and I liked, you were talking about, like, girlfriendship. After this incident, like, Deborah's kind of fucked up and she's like, you know, you cannot let him die to the EMTs. Like, you've got to fucking take care of him. And Sarah comes over and she's like, you know, you did what you could. You saved his life. And she's like, what the fuck do you mean? He could be dead because of me, because of that standoff situation. And she's like, you know, you did what you could and you did the right thing. Yeah. Dexter ends up returning to Lumen. It appears she is passed out on the floor and non-responsive. So he runs over to check on her and she has something near her hand. She grabs it, clubs him over the head, bolts out the door, locks it behind her. And starts fucking booking it. Dexter ends up kicking the door completely off the hinges and running after her through the fucking mud, through the swamp, through the grass, through the water. Oh my God. He was screaming, this man is sick. This man is (laughs) ill. Leave him alone. (laughs) And he is like running. He is running and ends up, she hits the road and, you know, help someone stop and a car of men pull over like teenage like 20 somethings or something pull over and yeah. they're like do you need help like are you good and she's like no like keep going i don't want help from you because she's scared of men dexter tackles her and he's like shush listen listen to me listen to me calm down he's like i have something to show you so dexter ends up bringing lumen to the pond with the barrels and the girls he takes her to the specific barrel he opened before and shows her and she's like disgusted. He explains, you know, each of one of these is a girl and there was gonna be a barrel for you. You have to trust me. And he uses the term that Sonia used as a leap of faith. And he hands her his knife and he says, here, it's yours to show you that you can trust me. Yeah, it's a whole matter of trust on both ends because he wants her to trust him Mm -hmm. and he has to be able to trust her because she witnessed him murder somebody. Yeah, exactly. And she actually ends up shanking him in the arm and he's like, fuck. And she's like, oh shit. And he's like, are you done? Are you good? And she's like, yeah, let's go get you patched up. And yeah. Joey ends up following the FBI, taking Jonah to a convenience store. Mm Mm-hmm. He rolls up on him inside this convenience store and shows him a picture of Dexter. Jonah looks at the picture and says, why do you want to know? But doesn't answer yes or no. Just says like, why? You know, do I know you? And Joey says, I'm a cop. And he's like, but do I know you? Just tell me if you know this man. Mm -hmm. And by this point, protective detail intervenes and Mm -hmm. they send Jonah out to the car and they handcuff Joey. Yeah. And later you see Joey getting reamed (laughs) by LaGuerta about it for approaching Jonah and she puts him on a forced unpaid suspension. Yeah. No good for sure. So cut back to Lumen cleaning Dexter's cut. While they were standing out in the pond, he explained that his wife was murdered by someone like Boyd and that's why he had to kill him. She asks if that was true and he said yes and she also apologizes for cutting him. She explains to Dexter that Boyd wasn't the only one. He didn't work alone. There were other men that hurt her and 
Dexter makes the note of this is not over. Yeah. Deborah is still upset, you know, by the end of all this about what happened at the Fuentes raid. Mm -hmm. And she approaches Joey, who, you know, obviously wasn't there because he was out fucking around. Not doing his job. He just got his ass handed to him by La Guerta and told that he was going to be taking some time off of work unpaid so he's kind of upset and deborah approaches him and says you know she doesn't want to be alone he says he's no good for her she says she's not looking for good which episode five first blood so the episode opens with dexter and harrison at a mommy and me group where they're playing like the parachute game like i think you know what i'm talking about where they like Mm -hmm. throw the sheet up and like bring it back down and they're like oh While the sheet is down, a baby starts crying and the sheet lifts and this child has a scratch across his cheek, much like Dexter's slices. Harrison is sitting right next to him. So immediately everyone thinks, oh yeah, Harrison did it. And Dexter runs in, grabs him and flees the scene of the crime, (laughs) as it were. This whole season also, Dexter's been really worried about Harrison being violent. Like he's even taking him to like a child psychologist and like therapist. Mm -hmm. Which is a resource that could have benefited Dexter. Yeah. If it were a thing. And he's being you know? a good dad because he knows it affected him so terribly. Even the therapist explains that Harrison's way too young to have like taken it all in. Yeah, he's only 10 months old at this point. He's doing what he can to be a good dad. So Dexter ends up meeting with Lumen at some like... I guess, breakfast place. And yeah. you see them meet at this specific spot quite a few times this episode. Seems like he's asked her a few times at this point, but he asks for her to go home. She says she can't until all the women who have done this to her are dead. She asks for Dexter to help her kill them. Mm-hmm. He presents that he bought a ticket for her to go home to Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. She says she can't go home, but she takes the ticket when she leaves anyway. Yeah. Cut to Deborah's at Joey's and she's pissed off leaving the next morning. He's coming out of a shower, which, oh my God, I did not mention this earlier. Joey is so tan, right? And he has got this fucking tan line. And it's really obvious when like right after they fucked and he's walking through Dexter's house. I swear to God, if a man dropped his pants and he had that violent of a tan line between his torso, his ass cheeks, his dick, and his legs, I would not be able to fuck him and I would just die laughing. And uh, you can see a little bit of this here, but he walks out of the shower with a towel very low around his waist and she's just like, I gotta go. And he's like, you wanna fuck? And she's like, what part of I'm going to be late for work do you not understand? Because he's been put on not paid leave and doesn't have anything else to do, but she thinks that he's just taking time off to Fuck to be off. lazy. Yeah. yeah. So she leaves from there, meets up with Batista at the hospital. They meet with the guy from the last episode. The hostage. Yeah, the hostage. To get more information on the Fuentes brothers. He ends up not being very much help, but he remembers the marking on this guy's hand. She has him draw it. It kind of looks like an eye and they find out more about that later. Yeah. Then it cuts back to the station. You see Maria meeting with Jim McCourt from Internal Affairs again. Yeah. This is when you start seeing Angel's really uneasy with these meetings. He sees through through the windows of her office that they're meeting a lot. And he's very suspicious of it. He's uneasy for sure. Yeah. Then you see Angel and Deborah talking with Masuka. And Masuka is showing off the world's biggest bat tattoo. Well, what I was more concerned about was that it wrapped around and gave his dick a tail going up his abdomen. So yeah, he shows off this huge back tattoo. It's a naked lady riding a dragon. And yeah, the dragon's tail wraps around the side of his hip and comes up the front, like a few inches away from his navel. He says if they have any questions about tattoos, they need to meet with his tattoo artist, Michael Space 
Angelo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Dexter's back to work in this episode. And he's kind of scattered because Masuka hasn't been able to keep up with his caseload as well as, like, his own work. So he decides to go to Boyd's house during his lunch break to see if he can find out anything else about the other guys, or should I say motherfucking pieces of shit that Boyd was working with. But when he gets there, he realizes that there's blood on the window and blood on the doorknob where someone has broken through the window to access the locks. And has gone through all of Boyd's shit and files. So he's going through and he follows the blood to an envelope. And he looks in the envelope and it's empty, but it's got a fingerprint on it. He runs that fingerprint. And who else is it other than Lumen? Lumen! Yeah, 100 points. Good job. Yeah, she'd been there. She'd beat Dexter to it to try and figure out who else Boyd was working with. So from there, Dexter goes to Lumen's motel room. She's not there, so he just lets himself in. And she has started evidence mapping. She has a fucking Lundy wall. Yeah. Of who is this? Could this be someone connected to this? And she's got like a whole fucking thing of tracking these fuckers down. So she's got pictures of this guy on the wall named Robert Brunner. Dexter ends up finding the letter from the envelope and it's a letter from Brunner and you find out he was Boyd's cellmate in prison or jail. Mm-hmm. You know, Harry's there the whole time like, this isn't the work of a sane person. You know, you yeah. need to just jump ship and blah, blah, blah. And Dexter's like, no, I need to help her. Dexter meets with Lumen again uh, the next morning. So you, it's kind of made out that they meet for breakfast. Maybe not every day, but pretty often. Yeah. But yeah, he meets with her again and he's unable to convince her to not pursue Brunner and the others. Uh-huh. And so she decides, you know, she's going to take matters into her own hands without him. Yeah. Maria's still acting suspicious as fuck as far as like Angel is concerned. She's seeing this gym guy a lot, the internal affairs guy, and saying that she's going to be home late for dinner and all this other stuff. And then he watches her leave the department with him in his car. Fast forward, Masuka takes Deborah to meet Michael Angelo. She explains to Deborah the icon that the hostage described on the Hostage Shaker's hand was most likely an eye tattoo or a symbol of an eye. Can I just say this is actress is Kate Mowing. I am in love with her since I first saw her on the L word and she looks amazing in this super fucking hot. And she even grabs Deborah's hand as she's leaving. And she's like, if you need anything, you just let me know. And I was like, yes, ma'am, I can tell you what I need. But that's another story for another day. I just love I love her. Dexter ends up finding some intel on this Brunner guy from the girl who works with records. Love her, by the way. Yeah, she refuses to give him the file until he gives her a stack of photos of Harrison. Yeah. It's really cute. You pointed out that Dexter fucking measures Harrison's height with a fucking tape measure. (laughs) An actual tape measure. One of the pictures is him laying there and there's a yellow stretch of tape measure next to him. He finds out that this Bronner guy is living under Tuttle Bridge. It's where a bunch of like the no-gooders end up living because they can't live so close to a park if they're, you know, they're a sex offender or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he walks up on this guy and this is probably the first time in the entire series that I've had to take my headphones off because I couldn't stand what the guy was saying. He was running his mouth about being inappropriate with girls and stuff. Or women. Women. And it was just gross. So I took my headphones off and he M99s him in the neck after horrible chat. 
and brings him to the kill room that he had previously set up for Boyd. Harry talks him off the cliff, basically realizes that this guy has an ankle tracker, so he couldn't have hurt Lumen mm-hmm. um, because the ankle tracker would go off if he left the bridge. So he can't kill him. So Dexter ends up dropping him back off at this bridge and then returns to his apartment. And as he opens the door, he sees Deborah cuddled up with Joey on the couch. Mm-hmm. Deborah makes up this bullshit excuse about, oh, Joey was here to borrow a book. And they talk about him like he's not even in the room. Yeah. And- Dexter's like, he reads, and Joey goes, he does. Then he leaves. Dexter ends up asking Deborah if she and Joey are a thing, and Deborah explains that they're just fuck buddies, and Dexter says, you know, don't bring him around when Harrison's in the room. So yeah, then it cuts to Maria's house. Maria finally returns home, and Batista's still very suspicious of her, and Maria says, I'm late uh, because the budget was due, and I was working on this and this, and Angel's asks if he should set the table for dinner, and she says yes but she needs to take a shower and like strips down to go take a shower and Angel's very uneasy about all of it Mm -hmm. and ends up taking her phone out of her purse and finds a text message with a rendezvous time in place for like the next day Uh uh-huh from Jim. Yeah. He's very upset about this. Puts her bone back. So Dexter goes back to the hotel to speak with Lumen. The manager says she's not here. She left. And he said, okay, where did she go? The manager explains that she had asked about Tuttle Bridge. And she's like, I told her that's the last place she wanted to go. Dexter knows, oh shit, she's going to try to go ahead and kill Brenner. So he races to Tuttle Bridge, cut to Lumen in a hoodie, pulled up, jeans, walking into this place, which, like I said, I am not here to judge a victim, but I would as someone who not experiencing active PTSD from a traumatic event, I wouldn't walk into that place. Anyways, she walks in, she's catcalled by this dude and he's a fucking creep. And then she sees Brenner and she lines up a shot from, from the side of the bridge, but she's super shaky. Dexter ends up stopping her right as she's about to pull the trigger. He explains to her how that could not have been him that hurt her. She's you know, just kind of shaken, like, but I thought it was him. And Dexter explains that, you know, no, it wasn't. You were wrong. Lumen explains that she just wants to feel better again. And she just wants some peace. And Dexter urges her to go back home, Minnesota. And this time she agrees to do so. So the first Santa Marte murder victim husband who I mentioned looks like he killed himself. He was spotted on an ATM security footage frantically getting pins wrong and like trying to take out a max amount of money. Mm -hmm. Based on this it gives the police department a place to start because other Santa murder victims that have happened before we start seeing it on the show Mm -hmm. they also have loved ones going to ATMs and trying to pull out max amount of money. Mm -hmm. So Deborah and Manzon go to interview another couple and they're not really getting anywhere with this and they get to this one of uh, Daniel and Awilda Ortiz or Ortiz. Deborah, as they're walking up on the house, Deborah realizes that she smells a smell. The smell. Yeah, they smell that smell. They bust up in the house and this couple in my notes are very deceased. Yeah. As in maggots are there, larvas there. It's it's really gross. Special effects earned their fucking paycheck, dude. One of the hardest things I've seen on this show. It cuts away from them to Angel busting into the motel room where Jim and Maria are getting dressed because they're removing a wire. They just completed a sting. But all Angel sees is Maria buttoning her fucking shirt and her titties out (laughs) yeah he busts it through the door and about jumps jim they say that you're making a mistake they say this is a sting 
They open the conjoining room door. Angel feels foolish. You see, I think he works in narcotics. A yeah. man named Stan Liddy sitting on the bed in the adjoining room. Jim goes to deal with him while Maria and Angel get into a fight because she did all this extra work with IA for him mm-hmm. to get the investigation dropped. Yeah. I don't know why he didn't just ask her about it, I guess. And granted, the show is shot in a matter that we assume as the viewer, she is cheating on Angel. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't get why he didn't, wasn't just like, yo, what the fuck's up with this? Like, why are you hanging out with this guy? Or or why didn't he just trust her? Yeah. And I brought up, I countered with, this is how their relationship started. It was a lot of like exchange glances in the office and sneaking around and like lying to everyone. So yeah. she was just doing this not six months ago with him. Yeah. She wasn't cheating on anyone, but I, I get it. It's something she's capable of. While they're arguing, that's when Maria gets the phone call of the crime scene that mm-hmm. Deborah and Manzon are at. And Angel says, oh, I'll take you there. And she's like, no, I'm going to go in the squad car. And so they leave separately, but they end up back at the crime scene. They determine that couple, it was probably one of the brothers' first murders. One, because of the decomposition. And two, Dexter points out, which I thought was kind of ironic, that beheading takes practice. And there were a lot of hack marks and just like messiness that weren't at the other crime scenes. They're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So Masuka asks Deborah to stand downwind because she <laughs> reeks of dead. Ew. And she's like, oh yeah, and I liked this shirt. I'm never going to get the smell out. She goes to her car to get a jacket. Mm-hmm. And while she's at her car, she looks over and happens to see a poster for a club named Club Mayan. Mm-hmm. And it's got the eye symbol that was on the Fuente brothers' hand. So all this time it was a stamp. Not Mm -hmm. a tattoo. Yeah. So cut to Dexter later on. He goes to see Lumen off at the airport because she finally took him up on the offer. He sees her going through security and he leaves and he's like, you know, basically I wish her the best. Like I hope her life gets better. She goes to the detector, but something keeps going off. And so she gets patted down and that sets off like some PTSD slash a panic attack. And she, it was a very well done scene for explaining like how a panic attack feels because everything's going Mm -hmm. in slow motion. And she feels like her breathing is too loud, probably. And everyone knows what she's thinking and everyone's watching her and shit starts going in reverse. And it's like, it's never going to end. But it finishes and we get just kind of cuts right after that. Yeah. Quickly, you see Joey on the phone with Deborah. Deborah's gloating about how she figured out this Club Mayan thing. I think they make plans to meet up later and Joey says, you know, I gotta get off the phone. And then you, it zooms out and you see Joey sitting in a bar with a guy from the Sting, uh, mm-hmm. Stan Liddy, and he asks him to look into Dexter for him. Yeah. Can we talk about how skeezy Stan Liddy seems? Like, great oh, yeah. actor. But yeah, then it cuts back to Lumen getting in a cab and the cab driver says, welcome to Miami. So Lumen did not leave after all, which yeah. brings us to episode six Everything is illuminated. The episode opens with Dexter and Deborah packing at the last of Dexter's house. Deborah says that Dexter and Harrison should definitely keep the apartment. It was always his place. She'll just move out. No problem. Yeah. Then it cuts to Lumen in a motel room. Mm-hmm. And you see her with a gun. You see her looking at herself in the mirror after a shower and she starts putting on fake eyelashes. She puts on a wig and a bunch of heavy makeup, completely changing her. Well, it's just makeup. She doesn't change that much, but she disguises. She makes an attempt to disguise herself. So Deborah, after realizing that the club is key to the whole Fuentes Brothers situation, she sets up a sting outside of Club Mayan. And they're actually talking about that in the meeting room and fucking dickhead Matthews comes busting 
sitting in and he explains like, dude, we don't have money in the budget for you guys just partying on the taxpayer dime. To which I said, yeah, Matthews only has enough fucking money in the budget for him to fuck off on the taxpayer dime. Tell me I'm wrong. Maria says, you know, this is the only lead we have. If we shut this down, we can't continue on the case and we can't afford that because this is fucking horrendous. And Matthews says that it's her fault if someone else dies and says that, you know, she's got a limited amount of time to make this work, which Deborah, as he walked in, was explaining that, you know, the reason they're killing these people and trying to get their money is so they can buy bottle service and VIP rooms at this club. Angel and Maria continue fighting over the IA sting, which I don't remember fuck all about. (laughs) just they're bigger they were arguing over semantics of that's it what happens to you happens to us because we are married if you start to stink i start to smell that kind of thing and she wants to make captain to fucking oust matthews because fuck that guy deborah swings by joey's apartment i guess thinking that they would go to club mayan together Mm -hmm. and he cuts her off at the door says it's not a good time she thinks she's got a girl over and before she leaves he opens the door all the way and says no i'm meeting here with stan we're prepping his like union meeting or some shit she's like oh okay and she feels foolish and she leaves after she leaves he closes the door and you realize that they're actually meeting about what stan has found on dexter which did you notice included one trip out of the country was the Paris Mm -hmm, where he fucking murdered Lila hell yeah Yeah. Stan doesn't really have much on Dexter and the two of them agree that that's weird Mm -hmm. and they wonder what he's hiding yeah Dexter ends up getting a new victim that he's sussing out and it's a I don't remember the guy's name I'm sorry. He tracks down this new victim we're gonna call him cellophane who lures men in and then murders them and then like takes their money or some shit. Dexter ends up luring him to an RV that he's rented to which the guy walks up to Dexter in full kill suit and goes like, you're 10 inches of solid steel or something to him. And Dexter's like, you bet, stabs him in the neck with the M99 and then yeets him into the RV. And (laughs) the guy's like wrapped in cellophane as tight as fucking possible when Dexter is constantly getting phone calls from Lumen that he keeps ignoring while he's trying to prep this victim and put him on the table. And then Lumen ends up sending him a picture of this guy that looks dead and there's blood everywhere. And Dexter's like, what the fuck? And so calls her back. She explains that she's tracked down one of the guys and she shot him. She needs help. She doesn't know what to do. And he's like, fuck fine i'll be there give me a few loads cellophane dude in his trunk covers him with like i don't know what you'd call it it's almost like a visor but it's not a visor i don't know what you'd call it but just so the body isn't visible if someone was just looking in the windows and closes the door and drives to go see lumen as dexter pulls up to the warehouse that lumen said she was at they walk inside and he realizes and she realizes homeboy isn't dead because homeboy isn't fucking there it's just a big puddle of blood on the ground he's basically just kind of railing lumen the whole time about messing this up and lumen is like i didn't know it was so hard to kill someone which uh, yeah no it's hard to kill someone dexter starts analyzing the crime scene by using luminol to track the blood spatter and the blood drips to find the victim and see where he went to which lumen is fucking sussed the hell out because she's like why the fuck do you have luminol in your purse which he says it's not a purse it's a bag but whatever they're tracking his blood spatter through 
the warehouse. So yeah, he's pressing her about more information. He's trying to figure out why she was so determined it was this guy. And he's just not being friendly about it. You know, like you just said, he's giving her a hard time about it. But yeah, I don't remember what the exact quote was, but he's, you know, kind of pushing her about it. And she just finally kind of feels like cornered. She's like, fuck you. <laughs> and he st- he literally stops in his tracks and he's like, fuck me. Wow. You emphasize the fuck me. But the wow of just like the audacity for her to say (laughs) so yeah angel and deb are hanging out in the undercover van watching the club scene go on angel is noticing that deborah's getting kind of jealous and sensitive watching joey dance and flirt with girls they're all over him they are loving joey quinn in this club and i love how sierra is like there at the bar and she's just kind of like unamused totally unimpressed yeah and while Angel and Deb are in the van, Angel gets the call to the warehouse where Lumen has, you know, tried to murder this guy. And Deborah ends up volunteering to go because, for one, the Fuente brothers have already seen her. So if they see her again, they'll know that they're being set up. Uh-huh. She obviously just really wants to get out of this van. She yeah. doesn't want to watch Joey dance with these girls anymore. Yeah. And, like, do tequila shots with them and lick their fucking neck. Was that necessary? I don't know. That's a red flag to me, but you know, whatever. They're not exclusive yet, I guess. I guess, but still, like, if he wants it to be serious, you dress for the job you want. <laughs> Unless they're just, like, dicking you around, in which case, then fuck it. Dexter gets a text on his phone while they're looking through the fucking warehouse that, oh shit, this has been declared a crime scene or a potential crime scene, so we gotta work fast. Yeah, someone saw you. Uh huh. Yeah. They end up tracking the victim down to a, it was like a, what would you call that? Like an external building? Yeah, it was another building on the warehouse site. Yeah. Or at this marina site. And there was a big grate in the floor and he had lowered himself into there. Yeah, and he was like bleeding out. So they pull him out. Dexter zip ties him to a pipe in there. And the guy tries to act dumb. Like, oh, I've never met this woman in my life. She's fucking crazy. I know nothing about her. Yeah. Yeah. And she led me on. She led me out here. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so then... Dexter gets a call from Sonia that Harrison has been saying his first words, which are die-die, which means (laughs) bye-bye. Then Dexter sings to him, tells Lumen to stand on one side of the room because this is just, she's trying to kill the man, basically. Comes back in and she's got like a shoe down his throat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I just love it. I love her her gusto, I will say. But he drags her to the back and he's like, dude, you were ruining my life. You didn't vet this guy out. This is just like Brenner. Like, you're fucking up my life. But then they hear him talking in the next room. Yeah, he picked up her cell phone or something. Yeah, and he called to alert someone else that he had been involved with that had been running this ring. The last bitch is alive. When I say I love the next scene... Like the next thing that happens. You can go ahead and say it. I just fucking... Dexter, you know, is running out of time and obviously has a preferred method of how he does this. But he snaps his neck and says, die, die. (laughs) Like, oh my God. Then Dexter instructs Lumen to start cleaning up with the hose that's there while Mm -hmm. he pulls up the car. Then when he comes back with the car, he gives her his house key, address to his house, and then some money with the cab. Tells her to run six or seven blocks away Mm -hmm. um, and then call the cab and that he would meet her back there later. Yeah. As this is happening, he hears glass breaking, which how the fuck did this man get out of this car? Because it's not easy to break a car window, especially like the back. Convenient TV writing. He wakes up. He broke through the back door and he starts running and there's cellophane like hanging off of this man as he is booking it down the fucking like between buildings. Yeah. Preface this. 
Deborah and Masuka have already shown up and are following that trail of blood. They're waiting for Dexter. They're annoyed Dexter isn't there yet. Yeah. And so they're coming down right in front of around the corner from where Cellophane Dude is running to. So if he runs out any further, they're going to see him. Well, Dexter, keep in mind, Michael C. Hall. I had cancer this season. Michael C. Hall. (laughs) So... Starts fucking booking it. And I mean, that man took off, grabs him in the nick of time, chokes him out with the cellophane, drags him back to the building. And about the time Deborah and Masuka come around the corner and they're like, that's Dexter's car, like parked in front of this building with the open door. That's weird. And there's like a blood mark on the like fucking thing. And Dexter comes walking out with his case and he's like, You guys are going to want to see this. (laughs) You won't believe what I found. Yeah. Insert quote if it's applicable for Dexter chasing down homeboy. This is the greatest moment of television of all time. (laughs) The lion does not fear the jackal. Green Bay needs to recruit this guy. He had fucking cancer. Cancer and he ran this man down. Okay, thanks. And in this, you know, we talked about this at the end of season four of what was Arthur's timeline of events. How much time did he have to kill Rita and then go get his Mustang Mm -hmm. and have Dexter fuck with the car and blah, blah, blah. We see how quickly this happens that Dexter has to go like linebacker this dude down. Yeah. Drag him back into the other and then set up this whole magic scene. So Dexter has positioned the cellophane guy. Mm-hmm. I think he was face down and yeah. he's kind of like looking and the gun's positioned not far from his hand and it's pointing towards the kid dentist, Dan. Yeah. Let's call him Loomis what he is. Victim. The rapist. Yeah. Masuka, you know, goes, oh, I know exactly what happens here. And you start to hear him describe the situation as, a, what was it, autoerotic mummification or something? Autoerotic mummification and asphyxiation. Yeah. What he says, like, cuts out as Dexter's inner monologue comes over. But you still see Masuka, like, <laughs> miming all of this, like, jerk-off motion and, and like, double jerking and it's fantastic and all the while deborah looks basically like how i felt when they walked in on those bodies being eaten by maggots like she (laughs) looks like she's ready she's mm, it's not good it's not good deborah asks dexter if this looks correct and he says that masuka's theory at least tracks out it tracks and then he dips (laughs) yeah he dips early and you know deborah's like you just got here and he's like what do you want me to say like this is what it looks like and i have to get back to sonya and he ends up going back to his house meets lumen there lumen is a well she's resting with her eyes shut in the bathtub where rita died Mm -hmm. and it's a little jarring for him at first Mm mm-hmm So Angel is still outside of the club and he's still watching the monitors and he sees this beautiful young woman dancing and he kind of zooms in, I think, and he's like, who are you? He ends up going in and he's like, so what's your name, beautiful? And acting like he's picking her up, right? And she's like, Yasmin. He's like, oh, Yasmin, it's my favorite flower. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. And he's like, oh, no, okay. Well, Yasmin, do you want to get out of here? And she finishes her drink and she's like yeah but what it is is she's wearing a pendant and it's a pendant of santa morte that's why he's so interested in her we, we as the viewer are led to assume he's cheating on maria to get back at her for whatever the fuck but that is not the case because angel ends up bringing her to maria's office calling maria in and they are both sitting on the couch and maria's like what the fuck is this and angel goes ahead and explains that she knows the fuentes brothers very well and she also has a fuck ton of drug charges against her and if If we drop the drug charges, she will give up the Fuentes brothers and get them to come into the club. Right before this, Deborah was telling him, like, make it up to her, like, buy her a card or, like, a puppy. And she's like, is this better than a puppy? (laughs) 
<laughs> she doesn't say yes and she doesn't say no. Just saying. She might still want the puppy. Cut to Joey and Deborah sitting on their couch. Deborah's like exhausted after that fucking incident. And Joey hands her his beer and she's like, I like like you. And Joey's like, I like like you. <laughs> she's like, I want to be exclusive with you. And he's like, I can do that. And then they start like making out on the fucking couch. I don't yeah. He tells her that he has liked her more than just like friends for a long time. But mm-hmm. she's been the one pushing him off. Yeah. He's happy to be there for her. Yeah, and she's like, if this is going to end bad, just let me know now. To which, (laughs) insert Witsy. Go ahead and drop in the quote. It's going to end really fucking badly. You're going to die and he's going to be distraught. Oh, God. Thanks, Frank. Then cut back to the end. uh, Dexter and Lumen having a heart to heart at the house. I love this scene. Next to the tub. Mm -hmm. And she tells... Dexter that she felt peace Mm -hmm. after killing Dan, the rapist dentist. She knows that that peace isn't going to last. She doesn't have a name for it, but he says that he does. The Dark Passenger. The Dark Passenger. Of course, in his inner monologue, he wouldn't say those words out loud yet. She says that she's going to need all of them to be dead, to have total peace, to be able to move on from this. It ends after Dexter asks her how many more there were, and it seems like he's going to be on board to help her kill the rest. Yeah, and it's a great scene. Granted, Julia Stiles is fucking amazing. Amazing, and so is Michael C. Hall. So, I mean, you, you know it's going to be good. But I just love the scene and how, how intimate it is, is a good word. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that as in they fuck. I mean that as in, like, they actually relate to each other's trauma and are planning to help each other move through this phase in life. I really like that. So, yeah, and that's the end of this stint. So far, so really good. And yeah, we didn't have a ton of quotes, but uh, it is what it is. I'm enjoying the season so yeah i think as far as like funny quippy bits it's a little hard at the moment to have fun quippy jokes Mm. about what's actually happening because like you said it's it's her dealing with overcoming what just happened to her you know being passed around between these dudes being raped and almost being murdered him dealing with the fact that his wife just died Mm -hmm. so and decapitations (laughs) yeah there are funny moments you know like him trying to catch that dude before he's (laughs) seen by the cops and die die yeah. And die die. This isn't the funny part of the show, mm-hmm. you know, and it does lighten up, especially after this season's over. Mm-hmm. Next season's pretty dark, but there's still a lot of like, we'll be back to normal. But this season, I feel like yeah. it has more emotional weight yeah. than yeah. what we've seen previously. But it is really, really good. And I look forward to finishing it. If you like what you heard, you can give us a review or a five star rating on Apple Podcast. Be sure to tell your friends about us. It helps us grow if you tell people to listen to us. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram if you want to see our faces. The show's Instagram is bitchwatchpod. My personal is witsy12, W-H-I-T-Z-Y the number 12 and i am bean dot buttrito yes you heard that right b-e-a-n dot b-u-t-t-r-i-t-o on instagram and remember to make good choices or don't be smart about it bye, bye. two bitches yeah two bitches two bitches just watching tv <laughs> bitch <laughs>